This is the Two Cents Podcast brought to you by Ask Us Why Christian Apparel. My name is Jeremy and I am your host as always. And in this podcast, I interview people that I believe have the wisdom, experience, or knowledge, or all three of topics that I believe are important and relevant for us to understand and navigate today in this crazy world we live in. If you love this podcast, we hope that you continue to listen along with us as we drop episodes every other Thursday. If you want to get to know our community and be a part of it, you can always jump on our Instagram, which is Ask Us Why with two Ys. And you can also check out our shop at Ask Us Why Shop. And you can see all the different apparel options that we sell and our different accessories, our newest drops that we're coming out with. So you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing. We hope you love these episodes. And with that being said, let's jump into this. All right, bro. Well, we're live back in the lion's den. That's you haven't right. been here in the lion's den yet. No, this is a new environment. Yeah. So I'll it, adapt. We did it in my kitchen counter last time, kitchen <laughs> yeah. dining room, whatever. Yeah. It's all one big room. <laughs> this is more comfortable. Much it's, more comfortable. The goal is to get a, a better studio than this even. The goal is like a warehouse where we do all like our printing and then we have like a podcast studio and then we got like office space. We want to do like a coffee bar, coffee oh, shop awesome. kind of thing. Yeah. All those fun things. So Love yeah. it. So maybe the next time you're on... Maybe we'll be in a studio. I expect it. <laughs> I got a high high uh, standard I have to live up to now. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got expectations to meet. These listeners, we just got to start supporting you. <laughs> Get us there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks for being on the podcast yeah. again. Uh, you uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. Let people know who you are because they might have listened to the last podcast with you, but that was also like nine months ago. Sure, yeah, maybe. it was a while ago. So, yeah. Yeah, my yourself, bro. yeah, my name is Matt Zelich, and I work at GCU. I am an author. Uh, my first book was um, released about a year and a half ago, and it was called Naked in God's Holy Temple. It's Christian nonfiction, so I wrote it specifically for spiritual development. And then I'm now an author of a second book, which is funny because it kind of like accidentally became a book. When I started writing it, it was not my intention for it to evolve into what it became. Yeah, I was just going to... Um, put down some thoughts and um, honestly what this book ended up becoming was was more so for me for myself and then when I wrote it I was like oh this is I should print this because this might help other people so this book is called echoes of deception and it's all about temptation mm -hmm. so um, and this was just released uh, last November November of 21 yeah. so so yeah so you uh, just recently started writing books because mm -hmm. you wrote the first one a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was, so before I was at GCU, I was doing youth ministry with middle school and high school students. And I love that. I, I knew I wanted to be in youth ministry since I was in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And um, and after about 10 years of doing that, I felt something shifting in my life. I felt like God putting a new calling before me. And I didn't really know what that was. And that And I had to walk through a season of like doubt and struggle and yeah. stepping forward into this, this very foggy path in front of me. Um, but I knew as I took some of those initial steps that one of the callings that God put on my life was to start writing. And I had said that for so many years in youth ministry, I want to write a book, I want to write a book yeah. because books have transformed my life. Mm. When I, there's a lot of authors that I cling to, um, to give me insight and perspective that have inspired me. Yeah. And so, because I've benefited from that, I've always said, I want to do that. I want to, I want to write for, for the same purpose to, um, just to help people find Jesus. And, yeah. um, and it wasn't until I kind of entered that really scary season of life where I didn't really know what was next, that that 
calling and um, a vision for that uh, materialized and yeah. it lit a spark for me. So, um, so yeah, after youth ministry, that's what led me to work with college students at GCU. That's, that's kind of my demographic that I feel led to, um, is, you know, young college, young adults, early married. Like I, I think back to my experience in college and those years were the most transformative years of my life. I, I'm still best friends with people that I went to school with mm. and, but it, but it wasn't easy. I like, I like struggled in a lot of different ways. And I always remember thinking like, I wish I had someone that could understand to, to talk to me about this stuff. And I had my, like my professors, that was kind of the thing you yeah. do as a college student. It's like, well, you can go talk to your professors about this. And there was a disconnect for me there. Um, but now in, in the, the role that I have, the opportunities that I have, I feel like I can, I can work with college students, um, in a different capacity and kind of meet them where they're at. So, yeah. um, yeah. And then while I'm not doing that, I get to put some words on a page and see if they're helpful to people. Did you always like writing growing up? Um, I, it's so funny. I did not like writing. <laughs> I did not like reading. I was, I was the kid in, in English class who yeah. like you'd show up the day of a quiz and I'm like asking everyone, Hey, what did chapter, what was chapter four about? Like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't read. I didn't do any of this. Just you trying just to like, just cheat on, on every paper around me. Um, cause I just refused to read a book. I yeah. couldn't stand it. And then uh, that shifted into my adult years as I realized like, oh, I'm, I'm beginning a career. I'm a leader. I, I don't know things. I need to do better. So that's when I, that's when I started reading um, yeah. as a discipline. And now it's like one of my favorite things. So who are some of the people you read growing up? Uh, uh, I mean, I feel like the people who have had the most, like the most significant impact on me, um, like John Mark Comer, his books just, I mean, the second he announces, Hey, I've got a new one coming out. Yeah. I I'm on Amazon clicking pre-order, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and John Mark Homer is kind of a part of a cohort of, of other leaders. They're like literally best friends. They go, you know, uh, isolate themselves at some cool beach house yeah. every year. Um, and among them is, is a guy named John Tyson and he's a pastor in New York city and he's written a few books, um, that I absolutely love. Those have had a huge impact on me. Um, and I feel like, you know, th and there's always, it's so funny when I write, yeah, I will later go back and read something that someone else said. That's like, that's just like what I said. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or I've, I've since read books that have come out after mine mm -hmm. and they said the same things I said, and I'm starting to realize like, oh, this is just borrowed truth. Like we're mm -hmm. all just experiencing God in, in our unique setting and in our unique ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, and God wants to use those experiences to to put something down on a page yeah. that is applicable to the human experience. So a lot of times you'll read something like, I remember um, another author that really had a huge impact on me was Dallas Willard. And like reading his, his stuff is dense. It's yeah. like, it's like reading a textbook, but it's like, it's so rich. It's just every page. I'm like my, I need like a new pen every section, every <laughs> chapter. Cause I'm like, mine's running out, just taking yeah. notes. Um, and I feel like what those authors do well is they, they, they talk about something that resonates with all of us. And that's what any good author is trying to do is trying to say, Hey, this is, this is a felt experience, um, a universal felt experience. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that try to follow Jesus, those words are helpful because we need to, we need something to move forward to, yeah. we need to, um, we need guidance. We need 
um, a compass. And not to say that any of these authors or these leaders have all of the answers, but mm -hmm. um, but they certainly have experiences or, or perspectives that are valuable. Yeah. Um, that's what any calling that, that God puts in our life does is it says, hey, you're not perfect. You don't have all the answers, mm -hmm. but I need you to do something because of the impact it's going to have on other people yeah. because I also want to do something in their life and what you do is going to resonate with them. So yeah. my calling to author is just to be obedient to, to the gift and the calling that God has given me. That's awesome. Yeah. So we live in an age where the prompt, like predominant medium of education is video and audio. Yeah. So has that kind of impacted your like path of this? Because I'm sure it's, it's much different writing books now yeah. than it was 20 years ago. Yep. Cause 20 years ago, People weren't like, oh, well, I can just go YouTube and interview on this book or something like that, right. which is what I do sometimes. Um, so like, does that challenge you at all in the scheme of like, you're trying to reach younger people, mm -hmm. but like it might not be their medium of choice for yeah. like reading and stuff? Yes, absolutely. So it, it's, it is, it's interesting. I've learned this along the way because I'm a reader. Mm -hmm. I, like there's this part of me that's like, I'll write a book and people will read the book because that's what I do. I, people yeah. write books and I read those books. <laughs> and I, and after becoming an author, I learned, I was extremely naive yeah. in terms of like, you know, my, my reach and my audience because people just don't read a lot of books. And yeah. I've had to kind of come to terms with that. It hasn't shifted like my direction. Cause I still, I still see the value in it. But, um, but it's so funny because as an author, so an author in general, like of any genre, yeah. like, okay, your, your market is narrow because not everybody's a reader, right. but then among readers, your market is even smaller when you're writing like Christian nonfiction. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, I'm just, so I'm just everything I want to do. I'm just constantly shrinking my audience down yep. to a few. Um, and so I've learned like, yeah, people don't, don't read and that I don't take that personal. I'm not like how dare you? You don't read like, no, this yeah. is, this is a gift. It's intended to be a gift. I, if, if you find time to read, if, if that's a discipline that you want to create and, and put into motion in your life, I think this is something that could be helpful. Yeah. It is also why, so my first book was like a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's like 300 pages. It's like yeah. 75,000 words. This one Ooh, is a awesome. fraction of that. It's yeah. like, uh, it's only a hundred pages. I think it's only like yeah. 12,000 words. So I'm like, maybe that's the strategy is I'll just like start yeah. shrinking the work down a little bit. Like, Hey, you can yeah. read this whole book in like a couple hours, <laughs> make it have, a little bit easier. Have you ever thought about like eBooks? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my first one is available, um, as an eBook, oh, okay. like as a digital, is, is that what you mean? So, uh, there's like, I guess like, yeah, there's two different assets or like, uh, avenues of that. So like one is, yeah, it's like the online version of reading it. So like you can get it on like Amazon or Kindle or those kind of things. The other side is like short form writings where it's like five to 10 minute reads. And it's just like digital downloads that people can take off of like your Instagram or website that kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. They're like four bucks for like a read or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm not familiar with that. That sounds, okay. I mean, I might need to become familiar with that <laughs> stuff. It's like, Hey, yeah. just like do something that reaches people. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where it goes. I'm learning a lot along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I've even thought about like, I should just probably record an audio version of these books because a lot of people, their, their thing is like, I want to read, I have an interest, but man, the time, but if, if I was in my car in traffic, I can hit the play. Yeah. And so I'll probably have to record at some point. I think I have that on my radar to accomplish yep. that in the next few months. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure an avenue to go. I, uh, I've seen it a lot with businesses and with influencers and, uh, like bloggers mm -hmm. that they'll write and they'll do eBooks. And they'll be like, hey, just dropped a new ebook. It's five bucks. Buy it online. Super easy. And it's like, 
maybe a 10 page read super quick make maybe it takes 20 maybe 30 minutes to read uh but it like really hones in on just a specific topic and just mm. like in depth or for whatever reason uh i think you could do pretty much anything with that but i know that that is like a growing new way because yeah i agree like longer books are much harder to read <laughs> right. uh have you heard of levi lusco oh yeah yeah okay so he has this new book coming out that's like a uh last meal on the moon or something like that. Okay. I don't know. But the book is like that big. Yeah. And already I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I think it's going to be a great book, but also sure. it's going to take much. me two and a half years yeah. to get through that sure. because I'm going to read like maybe 10 pages every other week or something like that. Yeah. So I do know that we, we kind of get intimidated by big books yeah. because unless it's a Harry Potter book right, where right, you're right. drawn into a story and mm -hmm. you're like, I need to know what happens next. If it's more like informational based right. and educational, sometimes you're like, well, I need to digest this. Yeah. It takes time. So like those bigger reads can definitely be on that. Yeah. So that's super interesting. And so this is your new book. I'll show it to the video. You can see it right here. Focus on this guy. Can you see? There we go. Echoes of Deception. Uh, I like the cover. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the idea behind the cover? So yeah, I, um, the whole content of the book is focusing on the idea of temptation. Yeah. And temptation, as we, as we know in scripture, starts in Genesis mm -hmm. with the voice of the serpent. And, um, and that voice, actually, I, I make the argument, that voice echoes through all of time, all of human history, mm. um, to the point that it reaches Jesus as he, as he wanders out into the desert and um, faces his own temptations. And so, um, the, the idea is like, okay, this, this voice from the garden is going to approach you and me and we need to be prepared for it. Yeah. So, um, so you see some of that imagery here on the cover and that's kind of the basic idea behind it. It's like a little statue, mm -hmm. but it's got, is that supposed to be Eve? Is that the idea? You know, it's, it, if, if, you, if that's your interpretation, <laughs> I think I think it fits. Um, I think more than anything, it's this idea that, and I talk about this early on in the book, yeah. that um, we are made in the image of God, right? right. We're, we're told that in scripture. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the statue represents humans as image bearers, but we're also, as image bearers of God, we are surrounded by temptation. The, the serpent approaches us yeah. um, and uh, and you know, kind of speaks into our ear and, and, um, whispers and lures us in yeah. ways that draw us away from who we're made to be. Yep. Um, so, so it, that idea I think is, is prevalent, not only in scripture, but, but in this book. Totally. Yeah. It's got a little snaky on top, <laughs> totally representative of the serpent. Um, so you base most of the book surrounded by obviously the story of Jesus in the desert uh, were you originally just reading about Jesus in the desert and you were just kind of like, there's something here, like mm -hmm. there's something huge right now that's kind of going on or you're seeing this kind of play out in other books or yep. other like pastors and stuff. And you're like, I feel like I need to write on this. Or was this something that's kind of been in the back of your mind for a while and you're like, oh, this is a good time for me to jump on this. Yeah, a little bit of both. So I'm I'm reading through the Gospels and mm -hmm. I come up, up to the point where Jesus goes out to the desert to be tempted by the devil. Mm -hmm. And I've read this story so many times. Like, I mean, it's, it's one we're all vaguely familiar with, if not extremely familiar with. Yeah. And as I'm reading it, I'm going through the list of temptations as, uh, the, the list of temptations as it's presented in Luke's gospel go from, um, you know, turn these stones into bread and, um, 
you know, bow down to me and, and receive the, the, the glory of the kingdoms and then jump from the temple and, and God will save you. And as a reader trying to understand what's happening in this biblical passage, I've just, I just feel, I, I feel stuck. Yeah. I'm like, I know that the, the Bible tells me that Jesus is being tempted, mm. but behind that, I, I genuinely am asking the question, what's the temptation here? Yeah. Like, so, so imagine like, Jesus is, is confronted with, with this voice saying, with the devil saying, turn these stones into bread. Yeah, what if he did that? And then he ate the bread and he was like, <laughs> yum. <laughs> like, yeah. was that a sin? Or, or <laughs> Satan says like, bow, you know, the kingdoms of the world will be yours. Doesn't yeah. Jesus, like the kingdoms are his. Like what's, what's happening here? Or like mm. jump from the temple and God will save you. The angels will, will carry you and your foot won't hit a stone. Yeah. Yeah. What if he did that? He, there's a lots of times in, in the gospel when Jesus does miracles. Yeah. So I just, I think I, I felt stuck wondering what, what if Jesus did any of those things? What makes those temptations? I mean, like, how is that a sin? Yeah. And then I started to, to do some research and do a deeper dive. And I, and I discovered that, um, the specific ways that Jesus is tempted, like that's contextual, but, but underneath that is something that's universal to all of us. Um, and it's classically referred to as the temptation of hedonism, materialism, and egoism. So those are the three temptations that Jesus goes out to face in the wilderness. Um, hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure, materialism, the, the pursuit of, um, of physical comfort of, of money and, and wealth, and then egoism, um, the pursuit for one's own best interest. Mm. And in the gospel, or not the gospel, in, in 1 John, there's a passage that breaks down and summarizes those three temptations as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm. And those are the three temptations that Jesus faces. So the w the way that he's actually tempted, like the thing, like whether it's bread or jumping off the temple or s receiving the kingdoms of the world, yeah, those specific temptations are probably not relevant to you or I. Right. I, mean, I certainly have not been tempted in those ways. <laughs> but but what's underneath those temptations, um, the actual thing that's trying to hook us is is the same for all of us, those three things. So when I realized that, I was like, oh man, these temptations are actually extraordinarily relevant to me. Jesus goes out to face my temptations, the temptations that I have. Yeah. And then with that, provides me a strategy on how to battle those temptations. So I really saw Jesus going out to the desert as a template to follow for, for, for me yeah. and, and for all of us who want to follow Jesus. Super fascinating. Yeah, when I think of the <clears throat> the story of uh, Jesus in the desert and being tempted, I just kind of like skim over it because again, yeah, I've read it so many times. But then you really think about it, Satan's like, hey, you're hungry. Turn this rock into bread. And you're like, I don't know what Bible verse says, thou shall not eat bread. Right, exactly. <laughs> but the principle of like, you should not live on man's bread alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you, when you dig deeper into it, obviously it's so much bigger. Um, but I don't think we think about that. And right. uh, I have always wondered when it comes to those temptations, because obviously I've seen the template of uh, like the Lord's Prayer, where it's like, okay, well, it doesn't say this is what to pray. It says this is how to pray. Mm -hmm. And so I've watched breakdowns of like what this looks like, how should we pray, those kind of things. But then with the temptations, I've never really looked into the difference or the at least the structure of like what's the message kind of coming behind that. And so it's really fascinating uh, to read on that. So uh, my first question just kind of... Uh, 
within the book, you, you say this word hedonism, but I don't think most of us know what that really means. So mm -hmm. would you mind like elaborating more on what hedonism means? Yeah. So that's, so that's connected to the first temptation of mm -hmm. turning, uh, stones into bread. And so hedonism is just basically like anything that we do to, um, pursue or receive, uh, physical pleasure. Um, it, it's, it's what we do to put ourselves in some sort of a state of euphoria, right? With the things that we try to, um, the, the ways we try to manipulate our brains to release, you know, that, that small dose of dopamine. Yeah. And so, uh, so for Jesus, it's, it's this bread. And, and I think that that's significant because that's also a tie back to Eve in the garden. The first way that she was tempted was with food. And so, um, so Jesus, it's, he's, he's tempted to turn these stones into bread, but really the temptation is for him to curate his own physical satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So I make the point in this book, like, you know, we all, we are hungry and, um, and we try to fulfill our hunger in a lot of different ways. And there's more, there's more than one ways that we're hungry. Right. Um, and so for me, hedonism ties to our lure towards sex, alcohol, drugs, sleep, entertainment, and anything that we go to, to, to try to escape in some way that yeah. makes us feel good physically. Um, the, the things that we do to try to manage our lives um and uh and manufacture our own gratification because sometimes just the world is tough and yeah. and so we 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 go to these things to try to fulfill us and so it's important to to, to make that distinction because eating eating's not a sin sex isn't a sin right um I, I mean like sleep isn't a sin those things aren't inherently bad right um but but all of those things can be used um, to control us. All of those things can become the ultimate thing in our life, can become a God to us. And so for Jesus, it's like, okay, you're hungry. You can eat. Yeah, he could eat. That's not wrong. Mm -hmm. But the temptation is to say like, hey, when, when you're hungry, you should be curating your own satisfaction. You should... You, you should not be dependent on God to, to meet your needs. You should take care of yourself. And whenever your body says, do this thing, you should obey it because mm -hmm. like it will feel good when you do that. And so that's, that's the real temptation is like allowing our bodies to have command over our decisions. Yeah. I feel like that's easier said than done though. <laughs> right. When it comes to like trusting God that he's going to provide. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's also why. So, so and I, I, I make this, point because it's it's so crucial in this first section when we talk about the first temptation that when, when God says well man does not live on bread alone but every word from the mouth of God mm -hmm. we might naturally think like oh like our bodies are hungry but God will will fulfill us right that's that's the message behind it yeah that's true but like if you don't eat you're still gonna be hungry and yeah. and so like you can tell yourself oh I'm so fulfilled by God and and that will mean I'm not hungry anymore no, Jesus was fasting for 40 days. Like, I mean, e e even if you look at like the, the, the science of the human body, he, yeah. he was near death at that point. Like yeah. he, he, he needed to eat some food. And so just because you say, I'm going to be fulfilled by God, I'm not going to be um, dependent on my physical desires. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that they just go away. They, yeah. and, and so part of battling that temptation is learning to accept the pain of our hungers. When, mm -hmm. when, when you feel it like, oh yeah, this it's going to hurt. But, yeah. but that's how we, we, we learn to move forward. Um, not in the absence of pain, but despite of that pain. Yeah. Uh, off topic kind of question, and then I'll come back to it. 
What do you think Jesus' first meal was when he came back from fasting? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a good... I mean, like, I, in the ancient world, I don't know, like, how many ingredients there were. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> I don't know how, how, how great of a meal you can have, but I'm sure at that point, anything tastes... I'm sure those rocks probably tasted pretty good. Like, <laughs> just like... I don't know, man. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm sure he had a double-double from in and out That's right. That's yeah, yeah. Guess. That's where I would go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, he... He's fasting for 40 days and he's tempted with turning bread or turning a rock Mm -hmm. into bread um, and living on man's word alone and trusting that process. Have you ever in your life experienced uh, something where like you weren't sure like if the next meal was going to come or Mm. if like um, God was going to provide by paying the bills Mm, in that sense? Like do you because I feel like one thing that I've struggled with in the past is like I, I know that God can provide, but I also know that I have a personal responsibility to like work hard to provide as well for like Mm -hmm. my family. So I can't just play the card of, no, like God's going to provide. I'm just going to read my Bible all day and not work. Mm -hmm. And like, he's going to pay my bills. And I know that like, that's not the case, but then like finding that balance between knowing how much is in my control Mm -hmm. and being able to provide and knowing how far like outside of that is where God is in control. Like I wrestle with that sometimes. Does that kind of make sense? It absolutely does. And that's, for me, the heart of my own faith struggle. So I'm, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have made a decision to follow Jesus for my entire life. Like that is the foundation of, of the way I live my life. But it, which surprises people when they hear me say this, that I feel like I go through a crisis of faith every couple years mm-hmm. where I'm genuinely wrestling with like, do I believe? Is there a God? And it's not surprising for me that I have that struggle because there's a part of me that wants to conclude there is no God. Yeah. And that's my flesh. My flesh is so hungry. Yeah. It's saying like, you've got to stop believing in God because I'm starving here. And, and, and if you think about it, hypothetically, this is, this is where like I understand the lure of atheism mm-hmm. um, is if you conclude all of life is an accident, it was just some, some crazy event that occurred that led to all of life, you don't have a soul. There's no such thing as right and wrong, good and evil. Those are social constructs. You're going to die and then go nowhere as is everybody else. Like if that's, if that's your worldview, then like following Jesus is hell. Like you're, cause you're, you're, you're neglecting your desires. You're neglecting your body. It's like, why would you do that? If anything, you should give command to your body. You should give command to your desires. You should give command to your ambitions because that's where the good life is found. Yeah. And so it's this its this battle between, like Jesus says, like I have come to give you life and life to the full. And like your flesh saying like, no, the true life is found when you obey my command. Like that's a constant balance and it all hinges on like, is God there or not? Yeah. You know, because if he is, then like, of course the way of Jesus is, is the way to prosperity to, to living full life. And, and we have to navigate the pains of, of crucifying the flesh. And so, but if, but if he's not, you know, even, even Paul says, if not for the cross, all of this is foolishness, right? Like the Bible endorses, like if God's not there, if Jesus hasn't come to, uh, resurrect your life mm-hmm. and, and give you eternal life. We're all stupid for following him. Yeah. So I, I battle with that all the time. And it's not even just me that battles with that. It's my flesh that battles with that because it's there and it's, and it's hungry. And I'm, and I'm reminded all the time that, Hey, there's, there's an alternative way to living than how I am. And, the, and it, 
that alternative appeals to me in a lot of ways, but it does not align with the way of Jesus. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, so one thing with like battling the flesh and desiring to fulfill that comes with this overwhelming desire in our culture for materialism, for the idea of pursuing wealth, success, uh, like a really nice house, a really nice car, all those kind of things. So, um, I mean, you break that down as well. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the things that you learned in your study about materialism and kind of like where, obviously like with Jesus, it's for him, it's not the same as the temptations that we face and the, the principle of like the actual temptation. Um, but in general speaking, like we're not looking over a valley being asked like, hey, do you want all these kingdoms? Like I'll give you rule and authority over them if you just bow down and worship me. Um, but obviously we face similar types of temptations. So like, what are some of those that we face today that you would say that we would most often recognize with? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I, I daydream all the time Mm -hmm. about having like a billion dollars. (laughs) I just, I'm, I imagine like if I, what if I had this money? Yeah. What would I do? What kind of house would I buy? What kind of car would I own? Where would I go? Who would, who would surround me? Like there, there are these questions that come into mind as I daydream, as I fantasize this life of wealth and luxury. And with that, of course, comes power. And so it, it's, it's not surprising the lure of materialism, especially in our world today. It's, it's, you know, as we continue to be more visible in a lot of different ways. Social media has made people's lives more visible. So now you get to see what everyone has and they're flaunting it. That's part of the appeal of social media is the way I will get followers, the way I will have influence is I will flaunt what I have and make you desire it. And so um, I think, sorry, my alarm's going off. (laughs) Shut this off. You're good. Um, So that's the appeal of, of materialism and and I find myself like thinking about that often you know yeah. have you ever like you, dr- you drive by a big mansion and you're like oh what if I live there you yeah. know or y- you see someone um, just kind of sitting at this table ordering all the all the awesome stuff at dinner time and, and like it's just man what what if I had this money and and what if I didn't have to worry about my bills and, and all that stuff? And so I think a lot of us, if not all of us, think about that. Even the rich people think yeah. about that. But the question that we that we have to ask ourselves, the question that Jesus presents in his temptation is, what's the cost of getting everything that you want? Because yeah. we think like, oh, well, I, there is no cost. I get, I want that. I get that stuff. I get peace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's There's so much that, that appeals to us when we think yeah. about that. But um, according to Jesus and according to this temptation, like there is a cost at filling your life with stuff, at, at making um, material items or accumulation uh, your highest value and your highest priority and your highest pursuit. Um, and in a lot of ways, that, that ultimately means neglecting God and, and what he has for us and the contentment that he desires us to experience in what we have and, and um, the life that he's given us. And so I, I think it's important to also clarify the goal of God for your life is not abject poverty. Right. Like I think sometimes there's almost, I feel this guilt at least that it's like, I should give away every dime I have. Why am I, why am I in a home? Why do I have clothes? Why do I have food? When other people don't, I should be crawling on the ground 
um, and selling everything that I have. Like there's this almost this desire that we're not supposed to have anything. And that's not the goal that, that Jesus puts in front of us. But, but counter to that, when we do pursue accumulation, we leave people behind and we forget that there are needs around us and we elevate ourselves and we can exploit or take advantage of those around us. And so it's, it's important to understand what Jesus is saying. He says to his disciples, what, you know, what good does it gain you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Yeah. Like, just don't, like, don't make accumulation, don't make materialism the highest goal in your life. So where, where do you like draw the line then with, uh, wanting things and like desiring, let's say it's a goal in life where you want to like eventually buy a house mm -hmm. or you want to get a nicer car cause you drive an older beat up one or whatever. And that I, I totally agree. I think there's, um, I think we, they call it the poverty gospel. So it's like the same, but the opposite of like the prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. We're on like the one side prosperity is like, God wants to make you rich. He wants to give you everything, health, wealth, and success. And then on the poverty side, it's like, no, you should like feel ashamed that you even have a savings account. Like you need to be giving away your money to the poor. Why aren't you investing more into ministry? Like money is the root of, you know, evil or yeah. whatever. Um, and they'll make all those claims. And so obviously like I, I personally also felt on that side, that same guilt. And I think that that kind of ties in a little bit to, to egotism, which we can talk about in a little bit, um, partially of like being concerned of what other people think, because I think there's this weird, like you see a pastor driving a nicer car and you're like, should you be driving a nicer car? Like, yeah, you know, is like what, what like is the, there's just, I think this really weird gray area for Christians that we're still kind of stuck in of like, okay, I know I, I shouldn't be, or at least I think I shouldn't be rich because the Bible talks about how that's bad. But I also know that like, I don't have to be poor, but I don't know where the line is drawn. Right. And, like you get like preachers and sneakers and you get all these exactly, pastors yeah. that are wearing like $500 shoes. And yes. it's like, okay, how do we discern who gets to like dictate whether or not like that should impact our image mm -hmm. or so to say, like, should we care if like other believers think that what we're doing is wrong? If like, the Bible doesn't say explicitly that it's wrong to like buy a nicer car and stuff like that or whatever. I don't know. Like, do you, you kind of get that? Absolutely. Like, the yeah. gray area that we're in. I, with I that do. All? And I don't think that there's a way to just put a law over it and say, this is the line. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's important to be constantly keeping our heart in check, yeah. being honest up to ourselves and to God about where we're at. Yeah. Um, being open to receive conviction from the Holy Spirit about how we manage our money, what we do with it, um, the ways that we chase it, how much we want to have. I mean, all of those things play into it. I don't think that when, when we look at this temptation that Jesus has, it's, it's not like a one-time temptation. This, the, the, the temptation for materialism is going to resurface again and again and again in your life. And every time this temptation resurfaces, it's an opportunity to be like in check with God ask like, Hey, am I, am I in step here with what you want? I'm really tempted right now to do this or, or to pursue, pursue that. You know, I, I feel tempted to recognize that temptation is to invite you to say like, wait, wait, how can I turn to God in this moment? What, mm -hmm. where's the conviction from the Holy spirit coming? Yeah. And, um, and if we do that, well, we'll, we'll be talking to God all the time because we're, we're constantly being tempted in, in different ways. I mean, you even made the point bridging from materialism then to egoism because, um, that's the final temptation that Jesus has of, you know, jump, jump from the temple. And 
which it's like, okay, yeah, what if he did that? Well, the, the point of the temptation is like, he didn't just bring him to the highest point on earth. It wasn't about like jumping for his safety. Mm -hmm. It was about jumping where it was public. The temple was a place that he would be seen. And then everybody would like be amazed by him. And, um, and then he could kind of leverage that for his own benefit and put together his own plan in life. And so, um, sometimes our temptation for materialism bleeds into this temptation for egoism to, to, um, try to uh, construct an image of ourselves that enables us to have more power, more influence that benefits us as individuals. Yeah. So how would you discern the difference? Because I feel like some of the convictions that we would get, um, let's say in, in a situation of like you want to go buy some nicer clothes and there's brands out there that you can buy clothes for that are like $75 a shirt versus like down the street Goodwill, you could buy it for like four dollars um how to like does someone discern whether or not that's the holy spirit saying like hey you probably shouldn't spend money on that versus you think it's more hey this is potentially because you're afraid of like how other people will see you because you're wearing these things mm -hmm. you know the difference uh because like one might be um you know, you're afraid of your public image and you're afraid that like people are going to think that you're a fake Christian or that you spend your money on like all these rich things. Like, should I, should, should Christians be allowed to buy Lulu mm -hmm. or is that going to affect my image? And like, people are going to think less of me versus is this the, actually the Holy spirit being like, Hey, I think you should be putting your money towards these things instead. Like, how do you discern kind of between those voices? Yeah. The way that I do it is by asking questions of myself and committing to being fully honest in how I answer them. Mm -hmm. So for I'll, I'll use I'll use Instagram as an example because it's I think we all kind of get this. Yeah. So you you post a photo, mm -hmm. and I think the way that we initially post photos, we justify it as like, this is a good photo. I want this on my account. Like it's just it's it's how we use the media outlet itself. So of course we'll do that. Okay. Some time passes. And you're either going to be like rewarded with what you wanted to accomplish with posting that photo or disappointed. Mm. And so let's say you're disappointed, like, oh, you go back and there's just something in you that's like, what? Only that many likes? Yeah. Only that many comments? Like, like, and so, okay, what's happening now? Like as you're feeling something like that, that feeling is communicating to you there's a desire somewhere and it was, and it was left unmet. That's why you have this disappointment. And so to determine the question of like, where is this temptation coming from? I try to ask myself, like, try to like keep going down deeper into asking questions that gets at the heart of the issue of what I'm really feeling. Mm -hmm. What, what did you want? Well, I wanted this. Why did you want that? Well, because if I got this, then it would mean that. Mm -hmm. Well, why is that significant? Well, because if I got that, then this would say this about me. It's like I try to just like follow this trail to get at the heart of why I'm disappointed or what yeah. it is that I wanted. And, then, and like I said, being honest about that because we can justify anything. Oh, it was just this was good to post because, you know, it, I just I like the photo. Like that's what we tell ourselves. We, we have quick justifications. So that's why like the, the honesty piece is so key to this because it's like, no, no, no. Well, really what I wanted was this, but yeah. beneath the surface is like, is this 
the heartbeat of my my desire and yeah. that's the thing that we have to address so when it comes to discerning your temptations i just start asking questions what is it that you want what is the root of this desire yeah. and and if you can identify that that'll probably tell you which way you're being tempted which is the real point of the book is to ask yourself like hey when i face temptation what is this temptation what way is this the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes or the pride of life and and sometimes it might neatly fit into one of those categories some temptations you know borrow from two some of them like occupy all three of those temptations satan's not like oh just one like no yeah it, it, whatever whatever it'll take so some temptations that i have it's like no this is a temptation the lust of the flesh this is a temptation uh, the lust of the eyes this is a temptation the pride of life all three of those things and so but i've learned by identifying what the temptation is then i can go back to the strategy that jesus implements when he battled it yeah and so um and i'm still a sinner i'm not like yeah. i should say that like i'm not like oh guys i have mastered temptation i'm done <laughs> i've i'm i've arrived <laughs> um yeah no i still i still am battling um but I wrote this again because I, I was struggling and I'm yeah. like, I don't know how to, why, what, what is behind my temptations? Um, and the, the specific temptation will change, mm -hmm. right? But the hook behind it will, yeah. will always be one of those three things. Yeah. That was a big thing you brought up in the book. And that was kind of how you kind of started it was this analogy of fishing. Um, elaborate on that or share, yeah. share just absolutely because it's it really is powerful because when you think about the actual concept of, of fishing and how it works mm -hmm. like the devil uses the same techniques against yeah. us yeah that that for me is is important because um so i so I, I use this metaphor of fishing and uh when you when you go to catch a fish you're trying to offer them bait mm -hmm. and then when they snag the bait that's when you can hook them and reel them in and then if you're going to eat the fish like now you have your dinner and so this, is, I, I believe Satan is doing the same things. He will, there's, those, those hooks are the same. They're the hook of hedonism, materialism, and egoism. Those are the three hooks that, that Satan will use to try to tempt you. Th those are the things that will grab hold of you. The way that he will bait the hook is different. That, mm. that, that's, there's literally billions of different ways that Satan can put some kind of bait in front of you to say, hey, here's, here's the thing that you want. Here's the thing that you desire. Um, and when you grab hold of it, you know, it's the hook that really that really catches you. But the, the key piece to this is when we think of sin, sometimes we think of like sin is the thing that we consume. There's yeah. something that, oh, I want that. I'm going to, I'm going to have that thing. Oh, I'm, I'm sinning. The Bible gives us a, a different picture of sin. sin it's, it's the opposite. It's actually sin that's consuming us. It's we, we are the meal. Sin is hungry and mm -hmm. sin is looking for something to devour. Satan is looking for something to devour. And so... When you think of like, oh, I shouldn't do that thing because, oh, it's bad. Like, no, you shouldn't do that thing because that thing is trying to swallow you whole. Like, it's yeah. trying to it's trying to consume you. And so that that shifted my perspective, I think, on my temptations as well. Yeah, uh, I love I love the analogy of 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 the fish and just fishing in general. You've you've fished in life, yeah, though. Like a little you, bit, yeah, yeah. Did it? I'm not like a pro. <laughs> I'm not a. I like. My, my greatest story is catching a bass when I was in high school and it was maybe like a pound, wow. <laughs> a small, a small little guy. One whopping pound. That's right. Maybe yeah. Maybe soaking wet. That's right. That's my success story. I fished maybe 
two, three times in my life and all have just been absolute failures. Yeah. So for me, I got a bad taste of fishing in my mind. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly not as efficient as the devil. It's, when it comes yeah, to exactly. It. <laughs> it's either it's something you love or something you hate. Yeah. No, hundred percent. So the last one of the three is egotism. We kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, but one thing that you mentioned in here was the idea of like someone saying that they don't care about what other people think and that kind of like, you know, arrogant, I don't care what other people think. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, and how to you, how you've understood that is like, that's not the case. Like people still care what other people think. It's just, they don't care what everybody thinks. So, uh, I was wondering if you could talk more about that because I find that really interesting. Cause I say that a lot too, where I'll say like, so who cares what they think? Mm -hmm. But then when I think of specific individuals, I'm like, Oh, I, I think I do kind of care. So do you think that when it comes to caring what other people think, do you think that, uh, we should be caring most about those that are fellow believers and what they think? Or do you think that like non-believers can technically count in certain situations? Cause, uh, I had a, a really, uh, for example, I don't know if, uh, nah, you, I don't think you would have followed me at the time. I put up a post about a year and a half ago on social media and it was during everything with George Floyd and it was all super controversial stuff out there. And I put out a message on there that talked about how like everyone was talking about government reformation and like restructuring all that stuff. And I kind of talked about how, um, in like my video, I said that the root of the problem goes beyond like just fixing a government structure. Like Jesus is the only one that can truly change hearts. So like you, and I use the analogy of a laptop. I use the analogy of like your laptop's broken, but you keep thinking that the screen needs to be replaced. So you replace the screen, but the problem is that like the hardware inside of it is broken. And you think that the government is going to fix that, but the government's the screen. And you're just going to keep doing this thing over and over and over again. It doesn't care. doesn't matter how nice your screen is. It's still broken inside. And so Jesus is the only one that can truly fix stuff like this. And so instead of like hating and thinking that like government is our savior and that kind of stuff, like we have to turn to Jesus. Well, the way that I like posted it, the picture that I put on the front was supposed to be like one of those like hooks where it pulls people in. So I put a really dramatic phrase and I said, um, Derek shop, Jesus forgives Derek Chauvin. And so should you. And I elaborated, like I explained right inside of the video. I was like, listen, we're n I'm not saying that he gets to walk away from what he did. Like he absolutely deserves the punishment for whatever crime he did commit. Like we obviously are aware of that stuff. But what I am talking about is like, you guys are so quick to judge other people and not have forgiveness. Cause I'm like, listen, this, this sucks. This whole situation sucks. But like, there's no background to anything that's going on. Not even, a, not even in the case of like trying to justify the things, but more it's like, what I see is like broken people hurting broken people. So it's like, what happened to this guy? Like, did these two have beef before this happened? Did this guy just lose his wife yesterday? Did he just like lose his family or did he just lose his job? Whatever it is, it's like what other like broken things are happening behind it. And so we're so quick to be like, burn them, like crucify him kind of thing. Anyways, the whole point is, is, uh, I had a lot of positive feedback from it. And I also had a lot of backlash and both from believers. And so trying to discern that, like it took me some time, but, um, overall when it comes to things in life and like our ego and our image and stuff, like how do you discern whose voices matter and who's not? Cause should it just be the people in your inner circle or are those people that are just going to say what you want them to like say to you kind of thing, or the people outside that don't have a bias agenda that are trying to like not hurt your feelings are going to say the truth. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That might be a really loaded question, but like, 
the overall premise is like, how do you decide whose voices should matter and whose don't? Mm -hmm. That that's actually a really good question. And I think so. So zeroing in on egoism as a temptation that we, that we experience. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll use myself as, as an example. So I remember when I first, I graduated from college, had my undergrad and I started doing youth ministry mm -hmm. at a, at a small church in Kentucky. And within a few months of me being employed there, um, the senior pastor came to me and was like, Hey, we'd love to have you teach in the main service. And I'm like, that's awesome. Just, I mean, because for so many years, I I sat in the pews imagining myself one day being on that stage. With, yeah. Like, I would love to do that. Like, I have these goals and these dreams and, the, and these ambitions. None of that bad. None of that bad. Yeah. Um, and in fact, a lot of ways, that's how God put a calling in my life. God put a, a vision before me. Okay. But just because none of that's bad does not mean that I'm not susceptible to mm. temptation. And so... As the, as the time approaches, right, the days leading up to the Sunday I have my first opportunity to teach, a voice kind of comes into my mind that is different from the previous voices that led up to that opportunity. The previous voices are, well, what are you going to teach on? Like, what is God saying? What what scriptures do people need to wrestle with? Like, it's all about his glory. And, and as I felt prepared, another voice came into my mind that was like, hey, what, what are people going to think about you when you do this? Mm -hmm. Like... Do you think if you do a really good job, they'll they'll ask you to come back? Like, what if, what if you do such a good job that they ask you to come back several times? Like, what if, what if you're asked to teach here, like you know, half the year? What if people start to like your teachings better than the senior pastor's teachings? What happens if they ask you to take over the church? I mean, you see where this is going? Like, this, this good thing, this good thing makes me still susceptible to a bad thing because that's what Satan does. He's not like, oh, you have a good intention with that. That's off limits. You know, I'm not, oh, that's God's territory. I'm not going to, no, the opposite. Like He's like, oh, that's God's territory. I'm going to infiltrate your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and try to sway your actions to to direct you that this once this thing that you once had good intentions for, I will. I want to destroy that. And so... So, I mean, you have your example, but there's what, who doesn't have an example of trying to make decisions, not based on what's good, not based on what they know of God, but based on their image or their ego or their pride or the way people will, will perceive them. When that becomes like our goal, like I, I got to do this because people will like me or people will approve of me or people will elevate me that's the lure of egoism and it's extremely dangerous because that temptation can like reach us anywhere in anything at any time. Love it. Love that. Uh, so how do you battle the echoes of deception? Yeah. What's your strategy? What's your game plan? <sighs> okay. I am still answer. I'm still trying to answer that question for myself. I probably, that's a lifelong question. I'll ask myself, how do I battle these temptations? But my first, my first answer is I try to approach it the way Jesus does, the way he literally does in the desert, the way he responds to Satan. Um, we would do well as followers of Jesus to emulate those strategies. When you're tempted to turn 
rocks into bread mm-hmm. to remind ourselves like man, man does not live on bread alone like i have deeper needs than my physical desires or when satan is inviting us to bow down to him because he's going to give us the glory of the world like no we don't worship any anyone but god mm-hmm. um when we're tempted to to jump from the temple and and do so in a display that that appear that that makes people marvel at us and um and build us up um you know, we, we need to be reminded um, as Jesus kind of talks through that temptation that we don't we don't put God to the test. We don't put him in a position to to catch us and elevate us. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't try to manipulate or coerce him to do our will, but rather align with his. Yeah. So those are those are the ways that Jesus battles those temptations. And um, and I think our pursuit of following Jesus is is we're, we're trying to copy that. It's not easy. It's really difficult. And there's a lot of times that I fail. But I think for me, what I've realized is like when I can quickly point to things and be like, oh, wait, what do I want? Oh, wait, wait, that's bread. That's that's literally what I'll do. I'll like in my mind, I'll be like, oh, bread, you know, or (laughs) like money or oh, jumping from the temple. Like that's, I just like will call it for what it is. Cause Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the deception is, is that we can't always identify what it is. So to say like, I know what this is, I know what I want is one step in combating it. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. It's like boiling down so many different temptations into like one of three categories and then scripture right there, mm-hmm. kind of go for it. Because I've always seen, like there's always the other option where it's like you can memorize, you know, a ton of scripture for every single situation where if it's sexual immorality, whether it's gossip, whether it's uh, unwholesome talk, any kind of, you know, any of those things, you can have different verses to memorize for those, which are amazing and awesome to do. Um, but I've never thought of like taking that perspective and just putting it into one of those three categories and then being reminded of what Jesus talks about of like what he uses to combat scripture in that sense. So I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so this is awesome. This is a great small little book. It's, I think it's actually only technically 87 pages. Yeah. Right. And then after that or 89, and then it goes into reflection and you just got questions in here for people to, to think on. Yeah. The- I wanted to offer something that wasn't just like, okay, here's, here's good. Every book that you read is like, here's good ideas. Yeah. My hope with the questions is like when you're done reading it, but what about you? Yeah. Like, okay. If you think that these are good ideas, I hope you do, but, but that doesn't mean anything if you don't have a way to translate the stuff in your own life. So, you know, people, I mean, I honestly, like sometimes I look at books and I see the questions in the back and I roll my eyes like, yeah, I'm not really going to do that. And that's fine if, if that's if people aren't into that. But yeah. I put it there specifically so that people don't just think that's so good. I hope I do better. No, no, no. Just yeah. fill out these lines, like answer these questions in the back about your life. And then, you know, you don't don't show them to everybody, but maybe talk about them with a trusted person, like so that you can actually begin to move yeah. forward in, in the ways that you're tempted. No, 100 percent. I like it though. I think that, uh, there's a lot of books that I'll read. I'll get to the end of it and I'll be like, great book. And then I'll close it and right. then I'll go back on the shelf and yeah. I might remember a couple of things from it. But unless I take the time to write something down to really focus on it or meditate on it, I'm not going to re- remember a lot of those things. So I really like that. I like that you put that little space in here for us to be able to write and stuff. Um, this is awesome. Where can, where can people get these books from? Yes. So, uh, the, the easiest way to find it is if you just want to go to my website, mattzelich.com. How do you spell that? Yeah, Matt, <laughs> M-A-T-T, Zelich, Z-I-E-L-I-C-H, mattzelich.com. That will link to um, 
to where they're sold on Amazon. You can just click a button and it'll take you to Amazon's page, but that you can also find them on Amazon. You can find my first book just by searching Naked in God's Holy Temple, um, or you can find this book, Echoes of Deception, on Amazon. Um, and so, and then honestly, if you're, if you're around me, if you're local, if you live in Arizona, if you're at GCU, I usually have a handful of copies I can sell direct and then you don't have to wait two days on shipping. Um, so just find me, message me on Instagram or something and, uh, and I'll try to get a book your way. Awesome. Yeah. Super easy. Uh, you should easily, you should for sure audiobook. Yeah. Should, I think, I, I think that's you like got, the next thing. You got thing. the voice for it too. Good. All right. Well, that's, I hope so. That's the next thing is. Just like talk it out and then see see what impact that makes. Yep. Now I know for sure I've read, well, not read. I've listened to books before on audiobook when I go on like road trips and stuff. Because you can either listen to like music, you can listen to podcasts, or you can listen to like an audiobook. Um, and you and feel if, more accomplished. You're like, right? wow, I'm such a good human. Right. Because I, I listen to this book. <laughs> I'm better than everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I will say that there's sometimes there's books out there that they like hire people to read it. And they pick like really weird voices yeah. and it makes it hard to listen. Yeah. But if you read in a way where it, it seems engaging and it flows well, sure. almost feeling like a conversation in a podcast, they those do way better. Yeah. And I like those a lot, especially when you're the one who wrote it. You know the tone behind it when you read to certain parts. I think one of the funny parts for me is uh, <laughs> you, you're talking about how like, you know, if you get hangry, you know, you get mad, but <laughs> that was you're a, like 40 days into it. You said you would be, uh, what was it? Hucking curious. Hucking curious. <laughs> and you left a little like cliff note in there, or a little note. Yeah. You're like, come on guys. I knew that one was a little, that was a little <laughs> risky to put that in there. You had a little fun. I with like, it. I like some humor in, in my books. Uh, yep. and, and I encourage anyone who reads anything that I write, go to the end notes, <laughs> go read it. Cause a lot of my jokes are in the end notes and I yeah. hope, I hope it's not offensive. I did put that end note in there. Like someone's going to be like mad. Like he's a, christian you can't allude to the f word like That's, okay oh, you know so just funny. take don't take yourself so seriously so <laughs> i love it well it plays into your personality and i think that that's something you don't find in a lot of books is yeah. like having personality in it so anywhere you can plug in humor super easy yeah. super awesome i love it so yeah for sure like being able to read especially with like the parts where you know you were trying to crack a joke and mm -hmm. stuff and just kind of engaging with it makes it super fun yeah so good super awesome to see that's that. awesome love it man Love all this stuff. Yeah, guys, go read this book. Super quick and easy read. Get it on his website or go to Amazon and just search Echoes of Deception. I just searched Echoes of Deception on Amazon and it was right there. Yeah. Super quick and easy to read. And uh, ships pretty fast. It was like two days, I think, with Prime or something like that. Super easy. You got this published pretty quick, right? Yeah, that it happened fast. So, uh, you know, maybe I learned if, I, if I'm motivated, I can crank them out. Wow. Uh, I, I started, I've outlined my third, but I'm, I'm waiting. That one's, I just, I have a feeling I need to wait on that one. So yeah. it'll, it'll be a while before you see anything from me in terms of, of literature. I probably won't have a book out for a while. So well, in the meantime, I'm sure you could do like mini eBooks that's true. or yeah. do anything of like just audio stuff, yeah. promote more on like social media, tons of, tons of ways you can do that. Definitely. Cause you still, I mean like Naked and God's Holy Temple is also a great book. So you got tons of room to market. Some would say the best book ever. Some would, some would say, say some would I don't say. know who some might say that. So <laughs> I don't know who's saying it out there, but they're saying it and they need to stop it. Right. You can't, you can't inflate my head over here. Oh, that's right. Egoism, <laughs> Egoism is, is pulling me in. Yo, that's the temple. That's the temple. That's it. <laughs> I love that. Well, thanks so much, Matt, for being on this podcast again. It's always good having you here in the bungalow recording and just chatting about what's on your heart and what you're sharing. And, uh, I hope that people learn and, you know, can take something away from mm. this book too. 
Love it. Thank anything, you. Anything else you want to plug before we peace out of here? No, I mean, honestly, just to any listeners, I, I sincerely believe in this book. Uh, I, I just think it's helpful. And yeah. so that's my heart behind it. I hate marketing myself. I hate promoting the work. And so um, this is my attempt to just say, hey, if check it out. Uh, hopefully it benefits you. If it does, if you wouldn't mind, give it a shout out on social media um, just to help spread the word. If you found it beneficial to you, others might as well. So I, all of that's much appreciated. Love it, man. How do you convince someone that doesn't read to read this book right now? Oh, what do you say to them? Oh, that's that's the, that's the hardest question of the of, of this entire interview. <laughs> and I saved that's, it for last. I don't know. I'm like, I sometimes I'm like, I could pay you. I'll, I'll just give you money to read this, please. <laughs> Please read it. <laughs> I'm sure there's guys out there that do that. They pay people to read their books. Yeah. And then when I win the lottery, I, I'll start doing that. I'll go. just like fund my own yeah. audience <laughs> for my own gain. I'll be broke, but I'll have a lot of like reviews on my on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Well, here's how I convince you guys to read. You guys should already be reading your Bibles. So how much harder is it to pick up another book and just read a few pages a day? Y'all can do it. Y'all can make it happen. And this book is, oh my gosh, you can fly through these pages so fast. It yeah. really is easy. I, t I really did time myself. It took me two hours to read the whole thing. So, Are you like a speedy reader though? No, I'm not. No. I mean, I had an advantage that I wrote it. I'm That's like, true. I, I kind of know what's next. <laughs> but I, you know, but I think, I think the average reader could, could yeah. down it in a few hours. No, it's for sure. It's like, guys, look at this. Y'all better be on the video version of this and checking this out. I don't know if I can see it, but like the lines are spaced. So it's not just you know, one giant paragraph each page, like the words are spaced out. So if you actually clumped it all together, it'd probably be like half of that page too. Mm -hmm. And it's already small. So, uh, I'm going to challenge you guys that if you guys don't read a whole lot, like the easiest way to do it is start with something small. And this is something super small and get into this guys support your local authors. Yes. <laughs> yes, please, please do. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for being on the podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you loved it, go ahead and like it, share it, review it. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you're not, you can check out our growing archive of episodes on all platforms. You can check us out on YouTube and subscribe to us there. If not, hit us up on social media and hit up Matt as well. What's your What's your Instagram, bro? Mr. Zilich, Z I E L I C H. Mr. Zilich. I'm the only one out there. I'm like the last. <laughs> the last Zilich. The last Zilich. Is that German? It is. Nice. It is. Do you speak German at all? I don't. No. Zero percent. <laughs> Way to hold on to your, your <laughs> the roots. Yeah. <laughs> this is why my line is <laughs> declining. <laughs> Just. Oh man, love it so much. Well, thank you guys so much for being on this episode, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace out, guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for making it to the end of this podcast episode. If it was somewhat beneficial for you in your walk with Jesus, that means that it could also be for someone else. And so I just want to challenge you real quick to share this podcast with your friends and your family, whether that be via social media, whether it be a text message, or if you're old school, send it by email. Either way, we would love it if you would continue to help us reach more believers as we are passionate about discipling and growing them so that we together as a community can grow the kingdom. Another great way that you can support us is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Both of those, when you leave reviews, it really helps the algorithm and helps push our content to other people. But either way, we love